I've been thinking lately about this because of my own daughter. She's so curious, fascinated, and playful. And ironically, there's a part of us just like my daughter, a part of us that's curious, playful, and spontaneous, and fascinated by whatever it is that we love to do, by the things that bring us into presence, where a sense of timelessness arises and we're entirely in a flow state. This inherently curious and fascinated part of us arises from our nature. In fact, it is our nature, our true personality showing itself. And yet, as we get older, we'll sometimes agree with others on things that we don't actually mean or agree with, or we'll repress our own fascination and playfulness in order to fit in into the social context we might be a part of. Sometimes even we'll value the things those around us value at the expense of what our nature values at a deep level. If we disconnect from our nature long enough, we begin to feel aimless, uninspired, and we go through the motions of life jumping from one task to another with little to no joy, curiosity, or playfulness in our lives. And I want to illustrate this point with a metaphor. If you take any introductory biology class, you'll learn what's called the central dogma, the process by which the DNA in your cells are transcribed and encoded into the necessary proteins to deal with environmental stresses and to communicate between other cells. Now, your genome doesn't just encode for the proteins that constitute the makeup of every cell of your body. You can actually think of your genome as a conductor that dynamically responds to the environment, tuning the dials of what the cell needs more or less in any moment. A conductor in a symphony is responsible for integrating the musical interpretations of all of the musicians on stage into a bigger picture. The conductors have a vision, and they're responsible for adjusting what's being played dynamically in the moment in order to manifest that vision and to create something that transcends the individual parts of the symphony. Now, from the perspective of your genome, your genome is doing something very similar. The orchestra your genome is conducting, creating, and influencing at a transcendent level is your personality. It's like a biological headset the being of your existence wears, and it comes pre-installed with every human being. It's your characteristic desires, preferences, emotional reactions, and involuntary physical responses bound together by an overall sense of identity. Now, the characteristics of our nature are unique, inventive, surprising, spontaneous, and playful. A very interesting thing happens when we start to become more aware as children and start to interact with our environment and those in our environment. Our nature encounters culture when we do this. And by culture, I mean any institution or social group. It doesn't need to be big or broad. A culture can be as small as really two individuals. Now, this is a pivotal moment in our lives because culture may not be okay with your nature. Culture begins to tell us to delete certain apps, to instead install these collections 
of pre-cultivated apps they give you to run on your own operating system. The problem with this is that in order for your operating system to work properly, you need to use the apps that were pre-installed and optimized to run on your own system. In other words, you need to remain loyal to your individuality, to your nature. And as children, this is a big deal. It's a big deal in our lives right now. But as kids, we are faced with two opposing forces. The first is to remain loyal to our nature. And the second is to pursue the sense of belonging, either to the family, to the culture. So conflict arises when our nature threatens our sense of belonging. And as kids, not belonging is equivalent to death. What we then do as children is to learn to sacrifice our nature to belong to culture. So this essential part of you, your nature, is who you were before you empathically intuited who others wanted you to be and then became that. When we sacrifice our nature to belong to culture by intuiting what others want from us, we start to develop a socialized self. In other words, we begin to run these culturally inherited apps on our biological operating system. This socialized part of us is the part of you that developed in response to the pressures from the people around you, including everyone from your family to your first love, to the people you work with, to your friends. And as the most socially dependent of mammals, infants are born knowing that their very survival depends on the goodwill of the grown-ups around them. And because of this, we are literally designed to please others. Your nature was the part of you that cracked your first baby smile. And your socialized self noticed how much your parents loved that smile and later reproduced it at the exact right moment to convince them to pay for your student loans. Between birth and this moment, your social self has picked up a huge variety of skills. It learned to talk, read, to dance, to drive, to cook, to wait patiently, to be civilized, to restrain the urge to bite, for instance. Anything that wants social approval. Unlike your nature, which is the same regardless of culture, your socialized self was shaped by cultural norms and expectations. If you happen to have been born in poverty, your social self is probably street smart, cares a lot about making money, and appreciates the generosity of others deeply. Whatever you learn to be, you're still learning. Your social self is still hard at work right this moment, struggling to make sure you're honest, nice, tough, or any combination of traits and characteristics that you believe makes you socially acceptable. And now, a fascinating thing about this socialized part of us is that it's based on principles that often run contrary to our core desires. Its job is to know when those desires will upset others and to help us override natural inclinations that aren't socially acceptable. We can see the same motif depicted in the mythological story of the Grail King, the apex of divine consciousness. What is within us to realize about ourselves that realization is what the Holy Grail represents in this story. And so as the story goes, the Grail King, a man who really wasn't fit for the role, sets out from his castle. And as he begins to make his way to wherever it was he was going, he encounters a pagan warrior. So the Grail King takes out his own lance. They charge at each other. And the Grail King ends up killing the pagan warrior, but the pagan warrior castrates the Grail King. 
And this castration is supposed to symbolize the separation of grace from supernatural grace, the separation from matter and spirit that the Western European individual has undergone because they've outsourced all of their spirituality to a superordinate religious institution that then presupposes and enforces its influence on the individual. And the story is supposed to depict that, no, our spirituality, our ability to have this profound realization of divine consciousness, let's say, the pathway through that is through our nature. It is not independent of or separate from our nature. It is through our nature by cultivating and and acting on our natural instincts out in the world is how we transcend and encounter the Holy Grail itself. And so this motif illustrated by Joseph Campbell is this exact thing I'm talking about between your nature and culture. So it's a fascinating struggle that's been going on for eons, really. It's important to point out that this socialized self is frankly necessary. It serves a purpose, and it's an important purpose to acknowledge and recognize. These culturally inherited applications that we run on our biological operating system are really important to us functioning fully in the world. So the social self most definitely has value. It's taught us how to fit in, how to belong to groups, how to get along. But if it's primarily what you're running as the default applications in your operating system, you will feel at one point or another drained and aimless. You will feel the need to escape from your very own skin because these inherited applications that we're running are keeping the innate essential applications, the ones that have been optimized for your own operating system that you were born with from operating properly. For instance, let's say Bob wakes up at 6.30 in the morning. His nature tells him that he needs more sleep because he's been getting less of it lately and his body's really tired and has been chronically exhausted. His socialized self, on the other hand, reminds him that he'll be late to work again, so he needs to get up right now. Bob eats breakfast alone, which floods him with a sense of loneliness for the partner that he had that moved out last month. And Bob thinks to call them in that moment, but his socialized self says no. Bob gets to work and at the office he sits through a meeting that nearly bores his own nature to death. The guy next to him is half his age and has a degree from an Ivy League university and has been promoted more than Bob. Looking at his young coworker, makes his nature want to jump across the table and strangle him, but his socialized self instead smiles politely. And so it goes, hour after hour, day after day, week upon week, Bob's inner life becomes more and more hollow and numb. And if someone asks Bob how he's feeling, he won't have an answer. His socialized self doesn't know. And his socialized self is the only part of Bob that's allowed to speak to others. Bob's socialized self has attempted to keep Bob in his job, in his marriage, and in his life. But at this point in Bob's life, it's no longer working for him. Bob's deeply unhappy and things are beginning to fall apart for him. Now, the problem isn't that Bob's social self is a bad person. In fact, it's, you could say it's doing the best it can. And it's trying to aim 
at being a good person. Bob's social self has the ability to get him all the way to where he's gotten. The problem is that only Bob's nature has the pre-installed GPS application that is unique and specific to his biological operating system that can tell Bob exactly where his true path in life resides. And it's by tuning in to that nature that Bob finds the proper direction to take his life in. Now, here's how you can tell if your nature or if your socialized self is running your life. If your feelings about life in general contain discontent, anxiety, frustration, anger, boredom, numbness, despair, your socialized self is not in sync with your nature. If you're asking to yourself, well, Alex, I want to connect with my nature. I want to feel less boredom, numbness, despair, frustration, anger, fear. Here's the good news. Your nature has never left you. It's always stayed close behind. These pre-installed apps that your biological operating system comes with can't really be deleted. We just need to start running them more often and put aside the cultural apps here and there. So how do we begin to harmonize both our nature and the socialized self that we create? If your nature enjoys surfing deeply, for instance, then ideally your socialized self would be responsible for making time to surf and buying the equipment necessary. If you're passionate about woodworking, your socialized self gets you through the apprenticeship required to learn the necessary skill set. So ideally, both your nature and your socialized self are working in harmony with one another, with the important point of mentioning that it's your nature that's leading the charge. It's your nature that's charting the course. It's your nature that's setting the direction with which to progress toward. And your socialized self is responsible for the more mundane and routine tasks required in order to progress and to move toward that destination. The reason this is so critical is that one of the application that, quote unquote, is turned on by your nature when you begin to tap into it is an internal GPS. Your nature knows what you love most what gives you a sense of purpose, and it's always pointing you toward it. We simply need to tune in and listen more closely. On the other hand, your socialized self does not have access to this inner GPS. It has access to what other people think you should do, what other people expect you to do. It can't tap into the same resources as your nature. Only your nature can do that. But by tapping into your nature and charting a course, your socialized self can then begin to work toward that direction. So the trick is to, or rather, it's not really a trick, it's more so a, a way to live with less fear, boredom, anxiety, depression, despair, is to harmonize your nature, or rather your socialized self with your nature. In doing so, we begin moving toward what brings us more peace, more freedom, more happiness. And so the puzzle to crack is realizing the confusion that sets in with 
the part of you that's setting the destination with which to follow. When it's the socialized self that's looking to others for where to go, rather than listening to our own nature, we begin to go off course and we do not realize it until we become sick and tired of being sick and tired of the predicament we're in. And paradoxically, if you want to do a really good job at harmonizing your nature and your socialized self, you are going to have to stop thinking about doing a really good job. That's the socialized self coming in again. To find the path which is yours to walk, you must teach your socialized self to relax and back off.